That Comic Smell comic issue number one is now available to buy. Join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadaka and Tom Stewart with guest artist John Tucker as they create their first anthology together. Buy your copy today at fredeggcomics.bigcartel.com Go to fredeggcomics.bigcartel.com today to buy your copy. Welcome! To that comic smell podcast. With your host, Tom Stewart. With special guest, Noah Van Skyver. It's, it's not it's nothing formal or anything it's just more of a a chat and to get to know you and stuff like that just so that other people at home can get to know you kind of thing sure yeah, yeah this is how i do my youtube channel too i just let it go very casual and then put it together you know yeah man yeah uh, do you just do you actually like go out of your way to get certain guests or is it just people that you know for the most part, it's people that I I know not very well, but like other cartoonists that maybe like I I see every once in a while at a convention, you know, right. that I'm, I know that I'm friendly with. Yeah, yeah. A couple of them I didn't know, uh, like Eddie Campbell was a good example of that. Like I never met him before or anything. Right. Okay. Did he um Did he come like recommended or something, or were you just really wanting to speak to him? I wanted to speak to him because I'm a big fan of his work, and I I have that Alec Omnibus mm-hmm. that collection, and I really love that a lot. So I um, I found a, a friend of mine who had his email address and reached out to him, and he luckily he was totally cool with talking to me. Nice one, nice one. Yeah. He's he's um he's one that I, I I've only ever read uh, from Hell, but I I know like all of his stuff and I've listened yeah. listened and watched like loads of interviews with him in a because he's so interesting. Yeah. But I've just I've never I've never taken the dive and actually got into his stuff proper. My friend my friend, one of the other hosts on the podcast, he's like a huge fan. Like oh, he's, yeah. fan. Well you gotta get that the Alec stuff that he does. It's all autobiographical. <laughs> it's it's great. I mean I'm 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 rereading it right now because he has all these stories in there about um, being a father as a cartoonist. Oh, and right, okay. Something I'm about to be myself. So yeah. I'm trying to... I, I like uh, seeking out other people who have handled this before and trying <laughs> to see, you know, what I'm in for, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, con- congrats for that, man. I, I saw that the other day on the on the live stream. Oh, yeah, thank you. That's good, man. Um, was it... <laughs> Sorry for the question, but was it was it planned or? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was a surprise. But, okay. uh, I mean, we weren't against it. Yeah. But you know, when it happened, it wasn't something we had been trying for or planning for. It just happened. Right. So yeah. Had you um, had you always wanted kids anyway, or was it just never really a thought? I went back and forth on it. I mean, you know, most of the friends I have in comics are childless, and so I kind of. <laughs> Part of me felt like maybe cartooning is like this calling where it's 
you have to devote the rest of your life to it. And it's going to mean that you're not going to get to live the same kind of uh, like life experiences that like a regular person would. And that maybe that means having children someday or being married or all those things. You have to basically be prepared to sacrifice those things. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't think that I would ever be a father um, or even a husband. Like I, I wanted these things, but I just felt like, well, maybe I've given myself to this weird way of living and, and uh, you know, all those things like are now out of my reach or something, you know? Wow. It's, it is a thing of like artists right enough. Everything seems to happen a lot later when you look at a lot yeah. of their lives and stuff right enough. Yeah. It's not, never really thought about that before right enough. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Though. Yeah, it's true. Like most cartoonists or artists, they you know they they are kind of late bloomers when it comes to like regular human stuff. Because, yeah. uh, well, for one thing, like if you're going to be a cartoonist and be a, a father, like you or you know you have to uh, or a mother, uh, you know, hopefully you're already established enough to to support that kind of thing. You know, a true. family like that. Yeah, you know, true. Yeah, because there's gonna be there's <laughs> gonna be no time between doing a job and trying to fit in the all the comics and everything and juggling right. a family and everything at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I mean, luckily I have like enough projects that are already completed and they're just kind of like in the loading dock. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I'm not too worried about taking some time off to just uh, you know, take care of responsibilities. Yeah, that are coming up. But this, but this is like your, this is your main job anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. When did you, um, when did you finally get to kind of quit and devote yourself to it? It was in 2015. Right. That was okay. that was when I quit working at Panera Bread, which is like a sandwich shop. Yeah. Um, and I just started doing comics full time, and uh, you know, John Porcelino told me like, like if if you do something like that, if you make that kind of jump, like you will make it work because it has to work. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll, you'll be surprised at how many things you, 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 um, do because you have to. Uh, so like a lot of like comics. So like, it was like, it was, you know, one year I remember, uh, when I was just being, uh, you know, I was kind of new to just being a cartoonist. I made $8,000 that year and that was it. And I somehow survived on it. And it was like the worst year. <laughs> it was terrible. And then, but then like the very, next year like basically january of the next year it was like i got offered a book illustration job that paid me twice that much so like right off the bat so i was like oh my god now i know what they mean by like this is a feast or famine lifestyle yeah shit but that taught me like an important lesson about having a savings account and (laughs) 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 trying to put money away and stuff because it really is like some years are really great and some years are you're just like my career is over yeah man yeah fuck I'd, I'd, I'd know what it's like having to just work a normal job and save and I'm fuck it, I'm back living at my uh, my mum's place with like with my other half saving for a house like that's hard enough as it is so living paycheck to paycheck on just projects that's got to be yeah. that's got to be really hard well what do you what do you do for a living uh, I'm a dog walker Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I say I always say dog walker, but it's dog walker slash pet carer because I go in on like other people's pets and stuff when they're on holiday and stuff as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, man. It's um, uh, yeah, that's like that's like week to week 
pay and stuff like it's been it's been pretty steady and, and stuff but it is like it's on like a self-employed basis and um like I, I do work for somebody else so ultimately if she ever decided that she wanted to fold the business like that's it you know what i mean um hopefully yeah. it never comes to that <laughs> i remember when i worked at panera bread though like i would you know my my paychecks were just directly deposited into my bank account hmm. and uh i would not even know that i got paid like i would look at my bank account and be like there's like no money in here and then i realized like i got paid yesterday it's like this job sucks like, I can't. <laughs> yeah that's i always hate i always hated that by working retail right enough man yeah yeah it's no, that's uh, the word. yeah yeah big time and it's like, like you say it's that thing of like you've because it's just automatically going into your account as well you just have no idea <laughs> <laughs> but i have no skill set like i didn't go to college you know i have no there, I, I i couldn't do anything because i started with like this dream of being a professional cartoonist when <laughs> i was you know very young so i just devoted the rest of my life to that i i to like the exclusion of all other things so like I couldn't do anything like I, I you know now I'm I'm 36, turning 37 in a couple of months like what I, what am I gonna do like go back to college and like yeah become an architect or something I forget <laughs> it nobody's gonna hire me by the time I'm done with all that schooling yeah I get it's that so you know, so it's like this has to work or I'm gonna go work at the Starbucks across the street here or something you know <laughs> well <laughs> well fuck it's it's a it's a living at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm not shaming it, but I'm just saying, like, that's what's that's where I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. Get a job in an office, you know. Yeah, yeah, no exactly. But you're um, you're constantly putting stuff out, man. Like it seems. I mean, yeah. I um, I remember I, I I first discovered your. I think I first discovered your stuff with like the first Fante, mm. um, and then it was like I, it almost like I turned around and blinked, looked you up again, and you had like. I don't know, eight or nine different things had just suddenly <laughs> popped up, and it was like fucking hell. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, well, I, I work a lot. I work every single day. Um, even before I took this call, like I was, I'm, um, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm sketching out this new story that I have, uh, I've had in my mind for like a long time, and I'm finally just going to start working on it. Oh, nice. So, like, I always, I always have things going because like i said like i i have to like this is my job you know yeah yeah um, yeah yeah so, you, yeah i mean that's how you make it work i see i i saw that you said in the you t- was when you were speaking to katie skelly you said that you just kind of move on to the next project and just kind of yep. forget the previous work is that um is that a kind of thing of just needing to keep working or is that a thing of like you just want to push the previous project back because you're like right i'm I'm done with it like just get it out of my head i have i'm like a what's the is it called like a monomaniac or something like, that? like somebody who i can work on one thing really intensely to the exclusion of everything else oh yeah, yeah and yeah. i'm very like task oriented and so like i can't once i jump into like one like a new story i'm like i have like tunnel vision like that's what i'm going to accomplish and anything else is a distraction. It's kind of irritating. Like, for example, um, right now, because I'm working on this new story, I still have to finish the cover for the Joseph Smith graphic novel they just turned in. Yeah. And that's that's like an annoyance to me, even though <laughs> I should be excited because that's like the, this big project that I finally finished. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, but that's done with, though. And now it's on to the next, you know. 
And then like I got like a email from the guy at Kilgore Books because they're reprinting the this comic I did called My Hot Date. Yeah. And he, he needs me to reformat the some of the pages. And I'm like, what did you do it? Like I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing something else, man. I'm not, that's like a comic from six years ago. I don't want to touch that, you know. Yeah, it's over. It's done. So I think it, that's just kind of how I, my brain works, you know. And and not even just in comics, like anything. Like I, when I found out found out that my wife was pregnant, she was like, "You have to get your driver's license. Like I can't be the only one here driving if we have a kid." And I I never got my driver's license because I lived in in big cities usually where like I didn't really need to drive and it was one less expense. Hmm. Uh, so I was like, okay. And so I kind of put the YouTube channel aside and the comics aside and stuff. And I just like signed up for an adult driving school and like obsessed about learning how to drive. And then like, just got my license. Like, and then now I'm like, okay, now that's done. Now I can get back to the comics. I just have to like obsess about one task, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. How, um, how you, do, how you doing juggling the, the YouTube channel with that then? If you, if you've, focusing um, on the on the comics it's really difficult man <laughs> it's really difficult and i feel i always feel like i'm not doing enough like i i feel like it's not i'm not interviewing enough cartoonists like i'm not putting enough content out there and stuff it's it's, kind of, it's becoming kind of a beast but like i i love how much the people that watch it love it like yeah. there's a lot of people that really get a lot from it and so i want to keep going but you know it's it's difficult because i have other responsibilities and stuff you know I think um, I think people are more understanding than you think. Like I say that as like somebody, like I, like I put out the podcast a lot, but I also do like a I do a review for um, another podcast, another comics podcast, like every every two weeks as well. And oh. um, see, like trying to stay on top of it and stuff, and some like I constantly try and push myself to do it, and I'm like, they've said to me before, don't worry if you can't get anything just say and give us a heads up and it's that whole thing of like i think it's just on on yourself do you know what i mean yeah. like you're you're the one constantly feeling the guilt kind of thing i mean i haven't put out i just by total accident but i haven't put out a new episode of the of that comic smell podcast in like three weeks or something like that and i normally do it sort of bi-weekly but um when i missed it i thought i'll just hold out for this you know what i mean um and the guilt, man, like it's been, it's been, it's only one week over, and this whole week I've been like, maybe I should just put something out, like just I'll just fuck it, it doesn't matter, I'll just do it. <laughs> yep, yeah, 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 I know exactly what you mean. I'm just like, oh, there's probably people that are like refreshing the YouTube channel. Again. There's nothing up there, and they're they're getting really bummed out at me or something. Like I, I gotta I gotta do something. You um you did a lot though in like the past year so there is a lot to go back to and it's not like the videos are short either yeah that's true so you do you i mean i think there's only like what maybe five or six of them that are only about 20 minutes the rest are yeah better. in the very beginning that's yeah. because in the very beginning i wasn't even preparing i would just be like i'd just call up like somebody who's a friend of mine and we would just talk okay. and then i would just edit whatever i thought was okay like safe enough for just the general public to listen to mm-hmm and so it would always be like 20 minutes long. <laughs> and then I started like actually preparing like real questions and, and thinking about it more. And that's when the episodes were, I was able to edit less and just post what I had, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like my favorite one on there I ever did on there was uh, probably Igor, or no, not Igor, uh, Ivan Brunetti. All right. Yeah, 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 man. That one's, um, that one's intense. 
That's a great one, man. Because it's I, good. he was, I just felt like there wasn't enough of like Ivan Brunetti just being Ivan Brunetti. Like I couldn't find interviews like that with him. Yeah. So I was lucky enough that, and I was surprised that he allowed me to to have him on the channel and to just talk. And I, at the end of that, I felt so satisfied. Like, damn, I just now I get to upload this, and it's like this is like a really good um, Ivan Brunetti conversation that people can listen to, and like. Uh, you know, get like their fix of because he doesn't create that much work anymore. You know. No, no. I mean, he's he had the um he had the anthologies and stuff for a wee while as well, but there hasn't, yeah. been, there hasn't been much for a while. But yeah, that was really that was a really in depth one, and yeah, it totally, it's like a total contrast with with some of the other with some of the other videos as well, some of the other interviews. But yeah, yeah, I can see I can see that one being a, like why that one's a favorite man, definitely. Yeah. That so, one and then Igor was the other one that I wanted because Igor is Italian and so there's like no uh, like English conversations with him. Right. And I respect his his work so much. He's he's just one of the best cartoonists ever. Yeah. And people in America don't uh, a lot of people in America don't know that. So I was really happy to be able to get him to just do like an English conversation with me, and hopefully help him out. You know, like uh, get get people in this country to to look at his work more. Yeah, big time. Yeah, he, uh, he just looked like he had a lot of fun. He was like all over the place and, yeah. and grabbing books and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's you know that's the, those are the kinds of people you like to talk to because they're comic artists and stuff, but they're like kind of still nerdy about what they do. Like they yeah, yeah. love they love talking about it. They love like showing off cartoonists that they love. You know, I don't know. Like I I have so much fun with that. Um, like the guy from the Bubbles scene, Brian. Yeah. Oh man. So good. That guy's. I didn't even know him. And we, oh, did you not? No, we just set up the conversation like that video. The first one we did together was we had never met or anything, and we just uh, started talking and showing each other comics that we liked, and it was great. I was like, this guy's awesome, and and, and that was a popular video because people like to see what other people are enthusiastic about. You know? Yeah, totally. That one's my favorite. Like, I, I absolutely love that, and like discovering bubbles on the back of it as well was just amazing. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, I think fanzines have been a pretty big thing to come across, like since since sort of COVID and everything as well. It seems to have been a thing that's sort of, uh, been a bit bigger in the UK, um, and it seems to be sort of strangers and bubbles and stuff that are at the kind of forefront of it as well. Uh, yeah, 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 that's true. I have been seeing like a lot more um, kind of interest in zines. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of like zine fairs and festivals and stuff that happen here, and a lot of people making like little arty things and stuff. Like not really, not like fanzines and not like. Do you not very much, very much kind of like fanties? <laughs> yeah, zines yeah. to be fair, it's loads, of, loads of stuff like that. But they're pretty big, and they host a lot of like comics folk over here. A lot of the small press scene and stuff go, um, to sort of the zine fests and stuff across here. Um, but I don't know. There seems to be a lot of stuff now, po- sort of propping up and coming up now that these things are being advertised across, like, like, so your channel and people are getting them on podcasts and stuff like that to kind of advertise the fact that they're there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's really cool, man. I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's, you know, um, it's we're at a point in in like this, like comics history and stuff where there's so much like you know comics comics history is like sedimentary rock mm-hmm. it's just layered and layered and we're just standing on top of this giant stone basically and you can just keep <laughs> down and there's like all this interesting stuff we're really lucky about that 
that yeah. there's just constantly new layers to explore you know yeah yeah it's um yeah it's really cool i just i, I i'm really like I'm a bit like I'll be honest. Like I'm a massive fan of the 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 channel. I'm a massive fan of yourselves, but a massive fan of the channel um, as well because it's so like laid back. But also because you've got so many different people. It's unbelievable, and like not just like I was int- intrigued to find like the amount of folk that weren't just cartoonists. Like they were working in like movies and stuff like that as well. You know what I mean? It was. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really, really, it's really interesting. But um, I mean, I'm quite, in, I'm quite intrigued as to how you prep for them, man. How, what, what do you do? Do you just get like a set of questions, or do you actually like, well, um, deep dive into the person's thing, before, like back catalogue and stuff before you get into them? Or? I, I get like a list of everything that they've done. I just have like a yellow legal pad, and I'll, I'll just write down the their kind of bibliography uh, from like the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. and I'll just like listen to other interviews that they've done, but then. On top of that, I have my own curiosity being a cartoonist myself about just trying to see what we have uh, um, in common mm-hmm. um, and things like that. And I just like to take it easy and, yeah, like you said, like it's pretty laid back and just have a conversation with them and not even – like if you can make people forget that they're even being interviewed, that's kind of the best way to get people to open up. you know? Because there's been some of them where they're – like the first part of the interview is kind of tight, like they're – People are really nervous, and yeah. or you know, how they feel like, like they're bit, they, you know, that they're being grilled or something. <laughs> but then you just kind of have to like loosen up, and and then by the end of the interview, it's like always like really friendly and like, hey, thanks a lot, that was great or whatever. And then usually I'll stop recording, and then we'll just keep talking for a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just it's I just try and keep it really loose, but I just want to know like a like bullet points about who somebody is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of filling. In the in between, yeah. How have you found um? How have you found running it like technically or so, and anything? Have you had any any problems with running it? Um, uh, you mean like editing it or something or? Um, well, a mixture. Like, um, have you had any problems with like uploading it to YouTube or with editing and stuff as well? Like, has there been any any bits that have just, just been a pain in the ass? Just like copyright strikes, I'll get those sometimes because of the music that i will put in, in the intro all oh, right okay uh, i need i need i need like somebody just make a song for me that i could just use <laughs> you know like the, on the openings of, of all the videos because i don't really know and i i always feel like oh this must be a public domain song that i can use in the video and then it's always not like i thought that classical music was yeah and i realized that like classical music is but it depends on you know the orchestra that's performing it still owns the rights oh fuck yeah so yeah so i got in trouble with a lot of that stuff and (laughs) (laughs) so that sucks because you know like also the youtube channel is 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 monetized so like i am making money from it all right okay if something's copyright struck then i don't i don't get any money for it even though i just worked on it right and that sucks but that's how it goes is it like over a certain amount of followers or subscribes or whatever you, you end up getting monetized yeah it's over once you get over a thousand subscribers and your videos get over a certain number of views which it's like really low it's only like a couple hundred views then um you can be monetized and youtube will youtube will start putting ads in front of your videos and then paying you for them all right okay yeah i don't 
I think I've only ever had like a handful of uh, advertisements at the start of years, right enough. So I'd, I'd never even clocked the fact that it would be that would be yeah. the case. I'm getting paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you see an ad in front of my video, just hear cha-ching. <laughs> well, I am now. <laughs> yeah, more money. <laughs> Brilliant. Are you? Money. Have you? Um, I know you've put a couple of like extra videos and stuff up on the the Patreon, but have you? Um, have you ever thought of making them like downloadable at any point for like a price or anything like that? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, like, what would be? What kind of like? What kind of content would would people be interested in downloading? Uh, well, I meant like just. Oh, I don't know actually. Just even like, well, do you put up the whole video? Um, yeah, yeah, but well, yeah, absolutely. You mean like if somebody wants to download like a um, deleted scene from a conversation or something like that? Yeah, 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 stuff like that, or even just like the whole video itself, because a lot of people like YouTube's great and all, but a lot of, there is a lot of people that'll take that stuff with them and just sit and watch them. And see yeah. go through like and like keep a hold of the archive kind of thing and have, have, like watch them back. Oh yeah, I don't know. That's something to think about. <laughs> it's just <laughs> if it's literally it's, it sounds it sounds daft, but if it's actually something that I was sitting thinking of when I just didn't have any internet, I was like, "Fuck, man, I really want to sit and be watching these videos." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I never even thought. I didn't think about it. Like Jim Rogg told me that I should be. Um, turning the YouTube channel into podcast because that's what they do with cartoonist kayfabe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, I'm just like that seems like a whole other task every day. Then I gotta upload a new podcast. I don't know. It's like how much, how much time do I want to give to this? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. It's um, I think turning it into a podcast would be easy enough just because it's just the audio you know what i mean you're not sort of faffing about as much you're just kind of getting getting rid of the video aspect and then turning it putting it over into like i don't know Podbean or itunes or something like that you know what i mean well it's, i could do it anytime i mean i just haven't i haven't done it and and i probably won't have the realistically i won't have the the time or like brain space to do that kind of thing for a while yeah i, think, I don't know I think I think you're uh, I think you're busy enough, man. You've got <laughs> you got a lot yeah. going on. <laughs> That's right. But it's been fun, man, because Simon Hanselman is also uh, about to become a father, like oh. very soon. And so him and I have really been connecting on that stuff. You know, we've been talking about, it. and he also like had to just get his driver's license like just the day after I got mine. Oh, really? <laughs> so we're like in this very same situation, and like both of us grew up like very like white trash and poor and stuff. So we have like a very similar origin story, uh, and like even, even a cartooning story. Like he, you know, he's, um, yeah, I don't know. So, and, but we always kind of were on opposite sides of the cartoon, the alternative comics world. Like we, you know, like we knew each other because of fanographics, but we weren't really like, uh, like close friend, like buddies or anything. Yeah, yeah. But so, but because of this, like we've become like pretty good uh, chat friends. Oh, that's good, man. It was a yeah. yeah. That was that was another that was another um, good video actually. I've, uh, a good interview with with you two. Yeah, people want me to do another one. I might do one. He wants to, like we could do one called like uh, I think he called it like Dad Zone or something like that. <laughs> After we both have 
uh, our kids and we're going to do like another video where we just kind of discuss like what that's been like to, to try and keep our careers going. Yeah. You know, old dad zone. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. fuck. Yeah, that'd be interesting, man. That'd be really good. How are you, um, how are you finding driving? Uh, I'm, getting more, I'm getting more comfortable with it. It's a little. My wife is like totally freaked out to be in the car with me, <laughs> uh, but I'm getting used to it, you know. And like I, I'm able to just take the car out and go get groceries on my own and stuff like that. And she appreciates that kind of thing. Nice. Um, but you know, it's just a lot of. Uh, I mean, do you, you drive, Tom, or not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I need it. Well, I need it for my job. But I've. Uh, oh, yeah, but yeah. I've been driving. I've been driving since I was 18. Okay, um, so, so let me ask, do you feel like uh, driving, do you do you feel like it's an extension of your body, like the car? No. When you're driving it? No? No. Do you feel like it's something that you're operating and, you, and that you're like, like you're white-knuckling it the entire time? <laughs> um, yeah, in a way, do you know what? I, um, I, used to, I used to absolutely love driving, and then, I don't know, like, I mean, I share a, a, a for the past like I don't know six, seven years or something. I've shared a car with my mum instead of having my own one. Yeah, and that has just completely changed the way I look at it. And even though I've got my own van for work now, like it's tied to work, I can't use it for personal use or anything like that. Okay. Um, so there's just like a weird, I don't know. It's just like a means to an end. Like if, if I need to go and get the shopping in or something like i use it for that it's not like i don't use it for fun it's not like a, a thing of like freedom as people always say like oh finally i've got my freedom really <laughs> like i th- I thought most people like drove to their work in their cars you know what i mean like <laughs> how's that how's that freedom <laughs> like, yeah um yeah i mean i'm i'm just trying to get used to it and and feel more like uh like my decisions should be like more intuitive or something with driving right okay it's, and i'm just uh, you know, it's still like uh, when I when I'm done driving, when I pull up into our driveway and I get out of the car, I'm I'm still like a little shaky. Mm. <laughs> that's that's the stage I'm I'm at as a driver. And I'm say, like hyper aware of everything I'm doing while I'm driving. Yeah, yeah. How does um how does lessons work in the states though? Like you're saying you've got your license now. Do you actually have to yeah. sit like a big test and everything, or do you just do? Yeah, you do a a test on the computer where they. They make you answer all these like questions about you know um, like street lights and street signs and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you you have to make a certain percentage. I think you have to get like eighty yeah. percent or you fail. And then uh, adult driving school, like you just you hire these people that they they come up and and they pick you up every day and then you get in the driver's seat and they they tell you what to do, where to go, and um, you have like an instructor who's sitting in the passenger seat. And he has his own brake pedal, just in case I'm about to kill us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like on that side of the car. So, and so, yeah. So we did that, and um, I was just, I just went like super intense on it because I was like, I have to get my license. I can't fuck this up. Yeah. And uh, so I just paid like a lot of attention and and made sure that I was doing it right. And then uh, we would drive around town and then drive behind this like um, kind of industrial building and practice all these maneuvers. And we did this every single day for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day he came to pick me up and he had like a, a woman in the back seat with a clipboard. And I was like, Oh, oh fuck. And I realized that was, they were giving me my actual test that day. Ah, okay. 
And I just lucked out, honestly, like that just, I just happened to not mess up as much as I usually did on that day. And they gave me my license. <laughs> has it maybe been, has it maybe been a good thing that they caught you by surprise with that woman being there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what my wife said too. She's like, if you knew that you were going to be tested, you would have been like a nervous wreck. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. That's, that's, honestly man like still to this day it's been so many years I mean I'm 32 this year and uh, I still remember the test like honestly <laughs> still remember it still remember it absolutely what was it like for you? stressful? Uh, yeah big time like I was I was shitting it absolutely shitting it like <laughs> um, sitting in that driver's seat and at one point I actually thought I'd failed because if we if, if you as much as touch the curb with your wheel oh, it's like an automatic yeah. fail or something and i and i thought i like i honestly thought i'd hit the curb and i just sort of said to the guy like oh I, i'm gonna retake this um, <laughs> and did it again and i got back and he's like oh you passed and it wasn't till like years later somebody said to me you know they have to make a certain percentage pass so they he probably just had to make the percentage oh, and gave you it i was like oh yeah, thanks yeah, very much yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you guys drive on the wrong side of the road too don't you well, it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that was like a totally American thing to say. It was. <laughs> and I knew it too when I was saying it. Like, Dude, I always think it's funny when Americans make fun of like English accents. Because yeah. technically, <laughs> that's the correct way to speak yeah. English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But you know what? Like, you look at the rest of the world, there is actually more people drive on your side of the road than they do ours. I mean, we're, we're a fucked up backwards place anyway. Like, we're ridiculous. I mean, we're, all of us mainly drive around a stick shift. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've ever driven an automatic. Um, I think that, well, actually, that's a lie. I wouldn't lie. know how to drive a stick shift. Yeah, that's a, that's a lie, though. I'm saying I've never driven an automatic. I used to drive a funeral car. So that that's I used to drive automatic for that because you can't do stick shift whilst you're trying to be nice and slow. <laughs> yeah, I always thought you did, and it wasn't until like my boss at the time was like, "No, it's automatic." Like, yeah, yeah. I could just imagine like getting stuck at lights like on a hill trying to <laughs> kick off. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah, but um, that's cool though. That's good though. Are you? Uh, do you have your own car? Or are you just sharing with? We just share like, share a car, but we're gonna get a new um, a new car whenever I get some money. <laughs> 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 it's something we talk about a lot, and I'm, I've been like really stressed out about it because I know that we we need a bigger car, and mm. uh, <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't know, maybe maybe like a big uh, check is because that's another thing about being a cartoonist is like I don't know what what money I have coming. Yeah. You can't. It's like I don't know what to count on anymore. So, do you get paid up front for the books before you do them? You do, yeah, but not most of the time, not very much. And okay. then the royalties are like you can't even count on them ever coming. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's such a hassle to get paid from from publishers. So that's why I really appreciate like doing my own mini comics because, you know, like I'm actually I'm doing everything myself, and at least I'm not splitting the money with um, a publisher or anything. You know, I just yeah, have to yeah. pay. The and the shipping and stuff. Yeah, totally, man. I, mean, I think it, it's funny you say that. I think I was listening to, I was listening to an interview with, oh, who was it? It was Kyle Baker, and hmm. uh, he was speaking about that. About um, he he was comparing it to when um, Prince left Warner Brothers, and he was like, yeah, but he's like his sales went down, 
um, but he was still he was actually making like most of the profits off of the albums, and he's like, that's what it's yeah. like. He's like, that's what it's like when I do something on my own minus a company. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, because like I only print you know five hundred copies of a mini comic, but I I'm gonna sell that five hundred copies, and then the I'm not splitting the money with uh, a publisher, you know, who gets whatever the deal is. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, and, you know, and like most publisher, like when I do a graphic novel, you know, my royalty rate is like uh, 7% or something. So it's like, Jesus. A, it's like nothing. So it's like, how do you survive? Like, you do all this hard work and then it's like, you don't even really expect to get any money at all at the end. And as I get older, that's something I've really been grappling with. Like, what, how do I solve that problem? Because mm. that's, that's not really going to work in the future. And I know other publisher or other artists are too, like, well, I can't speak for other, I don't want to name any names, but yeah, like other cartoonists are all thinking about this too. Like, uh, how am I supposed to, cause it's such hard work, man. Yeah. It's like, God, it's like a serious job that takes over your entire, like, that's one thing I miss about working at a, a day job is that you leave and you're not, you don't even think about it. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you think about <laughs> cartooning all the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, it was something, that's something I was thinking about as well. It's like cartoonists as well work their entire lives like there's not like some little nest egg at the end or some retirement right. fund or something like that like like yeah. i mean al jaffe worked up until like what 96 <laughs> or something like that yeah that's right it's like yeah, fuck that's true. they don't really you know and you kind of hope that you were able to draw forever you know yeah but sometimes sometimes uh you know the the fickle audience they've turned on you they're not interested in your work anymore you're out of fashion or something uh, you know like the hernandez brothers yeah. it's like i've since i've been in comics which is like the, only like 15 16 years it's like i've seen them come in and out of fashion like three times yeah you know and it's like that's just that must be their entire career is like uh oh we're hot this year or something like oh people oh the kids care about loving rockets right now and then and then like a new crowd comes in who don't care about it at all I think it's totally, it's just mad though, isn't it? Like, it is obviously, it's a change with, the, it's obviously a change with the pop culture and a, t a change with the times, but yeah. like having, having the drive to still continue on with that, knowing that that will probably be the case. I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, it's great. Yeah. I, I think you it's probably great. just disconnect from it after a while, right? Like, you, or yeah. you just get cynical about everything and you're yeah. just like, I don't really care. Like, if they like me, that's great. I'm just going to, because it seems like, Gilbert Hernandez just does whatever he wants. He's, you know, he's just turning stuff out, and it's all really weird. And I don't think he gives a shit if anybody likes it. It's it's the I think it's the punk background of just yeah. like fuck it, just put it out, and I, I don't care. Like as long as <laughs> as long as I get fucking something, I'm really not giving a shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's fucking it's crazy. Like yeah. I, I always look at them and do think that it's totally mad, but they do just keep going. And fucking all power to them, like big time. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's true. Them. I'd love to have them. I'd like to have them on the channel and, and talk to them. But I'm like really, I'm like really intimidated by them because they're so legendary. I'm just like, I don't what, <laughs> like how is that going to be good? I don't know <laughs> what I can say to them. I feel like I would just be trying to impress them the whole time. That's, you know? that's um, <laughs> it was like one of my one of my first one i mean you're like my second sort of stateside one but my first one was derf and i literally oh, yeah. was sitting like 
fuck, man, I've I've got all these questions and they're bullshit. Like, <laughs> like fuck. <laughs> um, like, I was How just, was that? Was it pretty good? It was good, man. Yeah, it was really good. And he was... Um, I mean, he, like, Dash pretty straight to the... Well, you you, you, you know him. He's, he's pretty straight to the point. And yeah. I don't think he really suffers fools or anything. He's, he's pretty just, you know, right at it. But he was really chatty, um, which I was quite surprised at because I can't remember who it was. Somebody else had said, like... Because I, I, I do this thing of not looking up stuff beforehand because I don't... I just kind of want to go into it with my own chat about it you know what I mean not not thinking about like oh he's been asked this oh he's been asked this um and uh yeah somebody had said like oh he's like he's really straight to the point like he'll just answer your question and move on but he was like asking me questions and stuff he was really good he's a really great guy well, that's a very regional Durf is the most um like Ohio person you can ever meet All right. uh, they're very he's very like stoic he, his tone doesn't really change. No. He's just like, uh huh. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, like, I love Dirk, but yeah, like I, you know, I, I toured France with him, and he, if people would come to him and just be like, I love your work so much. It means so much to me. You're amazing. He'd be like, uh huh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's very of like where he comes from, like which yeah, is yeah. like Cleveland, which is very it's Rust Belt. It's like very working class. And they they don't really get excited about stuff. They're just like very cynical and like yeah, uh huh, yeah, all right. They just kind of take it. it you know, he's very interesting in that way. That he, yeah. it's like in his genes. It's um, yeah, man. It's it, it, he's got like the kind of old the old punk rock nature about him as well. He's another one. Yeah, but his, definitely. But his one's more. I think his one's definitely more stoic. Like the Hernandez yeah. brothers are. are like lively well maybe not so much Jaime every time I see Jaime he just seems like so fucking relaxed it's unbelievable um, <laughs> but uh, yeah like yeah, yeah you're right but see Tom that's the difference between uh, people from California and people from the Midwest of America it's, yeah. it really is I mean those are those are people that are like born and bred in a specific region of America and you can tell but when you talk to them you can tell uh, by their personalities, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of it, it's, it's kind of like that here as well. To be fair, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would say that like, uh, I, I, in comparison with here, with like, I don't know, maybe say like Edinburgh or something like that. I mean, we're we're classed as one of the sort of major cities, but we're we're always like laughed at because <laughs> it's like <laughs> like one of these major cities, but we're always seen as like this sort of scruffy end and everybody's like working class and stuff around here, but we're sort of try always trying to be like the up and coming city. Like we're all, oh, we're doing this and, you know, the city of culture and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, fucking hell. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, who are the, who are some good Scottish cartoonists? Oh fuck! Now you've put me on the spot. Um, Edit this if you don't want. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's it's trying to like I'm just so shitty with names, man. Um, hmm. Good Scottish cartoonists. Like, cause a lot of them weren't credited for so long that it's like trying to remember the names now. Well, tell you what, uh, uh, some of the sort of staple points strips and comics from here actually come from Dundee. So like oh. the Beano 
is oh, like a massive thing but that comes from here like we have the dc thompson publishing house the printing house is actually in based in dundee oh. um we got, is like, the brooms the, you know the brooms or something like that yeah that's... yeah yeah man yeah that's uh that's all dc thompson's if i remember rightly as well oh. um i mean like it, this dundee is like the sort of scottish home of well it's kind of the british home of comics or whatever um yeah. But like because of that, it's I don't know. It's it's just it's such a strange place. I mean, we got a massive desperate Dan from the Dandy statue in the middle of our city. You know what I mean? Are you serious? That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like that, and and Minnie from from the the Beano is in front of him, like pulling a slingshot at him and stuff like that. But just to kind of show you what the kind of place is like, desperate Dan went up, Minnie went up with her slingshot. And then her slingshot strings were broken and stolen within like a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's got like a dog that he's trailing behind him that always gets like fucking shot on and stuff. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, yet, yet Desperate Dan never gets anything. No, no graffiti or anything. He's always pretty good. <laughs> but everything else about him gets like thrown eggs at him and everything. It's ridiculous. Um, so wait, what comics are popular though? There though, are there? Is there a good comic scene in Scotland? Uh, yeah, there is. Um, well, I mean, the Beano's still the Beano is still actually on the shelves of like major supermarkets and stuff here. It's, but the Beano is like Archie for America, though, right? Like where it's just like it's not really that funny. Yeah, but just like a, such a in, deeply ingrained part of the culture that it's just always there in the background. Yeah, basically, it's 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 predominantly for kids. It's one of them that always comes with like plastic toys on the front and stuff like that. Which there was a big movement for just now to try and take them off and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it is like that. Um, that's sort of that's the sort of um, that's the mainstream comic thing. But there is like a really big. Um, Indian sort of small press scene around here as well because we have in Dundee we have the um, comics creative space where like loads of kids go and come and do like comics workshops and stuff like that and they also put on like comics events where people will read out their comic strips aloud and orchestras will play with them and all this kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's nice, but it's one of those that you only really know about if you're within it. Like, it's mm-hmm. not really well advertised to everybody else kind of thing, and the scene is relatively small in that case. You know what I mean? Um, but it is, it is burgeoning, in a way. And, I mean, there is a huge comic scene throughout Scotland on a whole. I mean, Glasgow and Edinburgh is rife with comic creators. Um, there's There seems to be, like... Do you like, a, do you like uh, Bell and Sebastian? Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. And yeah. they don't they live in Edinburgh? I don't know if they still live in Edinburgh. I want to say they, I want to say they moved to the states. I mean, they still oh. play, they still play here a lot, but I want to say they moved to the states. I could be saying this now, and it's sacrilege, and some like massive Bell and Sebastian fan is sitting like you asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know, it's just odd, man. It's we've we've got such a, we do have like a really really big comic scene and stuff around here, and it seems to be like their new a new comic every month. Um, like it's unbelievable but I don't know that stuff just kind of props up and then goes away as quick as it's come up you know what I mean huh yeah. uh, like indie is it like you're talking about the indie comic scene yeah or... like all the small press stuff yeah it just kind of rears its head for a wee while and then it just goes away again <laughs> like as quick uh, as it comes up yeah and yeah. there's there's loads there's like a constant stream of creators and stuff throughout the, throughout the whole of the UK 
um, that sort of mix and mingle between each other and stuff. But it doesn't it, I don't know. There's just loads of creators will pop up, do a few books, and then disappear within like a couple, like a year of doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that in the states too. You know, where you you know, there's always like the new hot cartoonist who like pops up, and then you're like, oh wow, they're they're doing interesting stuff, and then they just either get bored of it or something and they do something else or they get hired by uh, some cartoon network show or something right. and then they disappear into LA. Yeah. That happens like more and more often around here. Yeah. Uh, but I live in the South and down here, like there's no comics like anywhere. I mean, I think I'm the only cartoonist that lives down here. Really? Uh, in in South Carolina, I mean, especially right, okay. like, I mean, below me is Georgia, and Georgia has like all you know, Elnor Davis and Drew mm-hmm. Wang and all these other people. But South Carolina, which is like considered like the Deep South, there's just no comics culture. There, you know, we, there's like some superhero comic shops that I could go to, but that's yeah. it. I have to order all my stuff. Shit. Well, that's it's it's kind of in a way kind of like what it's like here ish there is a for the longest time there wasn't a comic shop in in dundee even though we were like the home of comics and one just opened uh right at the sort of mid lockdown lifting in the uk it was Mm. really odd so like it opened it was open for like four months and then shut again um oh but then i don't know if it's meant to be opening back up or what but but they they seem to be okay but not but they're mainly sort of catered to like board games you know, yeah it's, it's one of them that they have like comics they say they're a comic shop but it's mainly like sort of role play games and stuff that they've got yeah they host those oh yeah nights. They, go, they go uh heroes cards and collectibles yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like tons of those but the comic shop that i go to here sells comics but then they also sell used dvds and cds <laughs> okay so it's like it's just all sorts of all manner of uh of uh like obsolete media <laughs> see that's set tapes see like the big the big record shop that was here it was like this sort of it was the inverse of that here the big the big record shop that just closed down sort of at the start of lockdown because they just there was no way they were going to survive um mm. they closed down uh, they were it's all like records, CDs, VHS, and DVDs and everything. <laughs> but they also had like a tiny shelf of like on a small. It wasn't comics. They would just put like small little graphic novels or like collections of stuff. So you would occasionally find like the odd early Love and Rockets or something in there. Um, oh. And I found a couple of like um crumb books like the sweeter side of crumb and stuff just where somebody's obviously coming and just dumped off somebody's collection because they've died or something like that you know what i mean man that book the sweeter side of crumb the paperback version he has like an introduction in it mm-hmm. and uh i'm the cartoonist he's talking about there's a, a part in that introduction where he says just the other day i got a letter from a younger cartoonist who said he was going to kill himself or whatever and my work <laughs> helped he was talking about a letter that i had sent to him really yes and i remember I remember distinctly writing that letter, sending it to him, not hearing back. But then that book came out, like you know, maybe the year later or whatever. And I, I saw him mention that, and I was like, "That's me." <laughs> that, that was that really dramatic letter that I'd sent him. Fucking hell! I've got that. It's literally downstairs on my coffee table. Like, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell! Oh my yeah. god! Did you really say that that you were going to kill yourself? Oh man, I used to do that all the time. I would... <laughs> 
I would get home from work and I would I would write letters to cartoonists that I admired and they'd be like the most desperate like I'm gonna kill myself if I don't make it in comics letters. I would do it because I would just get like a a beer and I would sit on my bedroom floor in my apartment and just just spill my guts out because I was I hated it. like I everything was on the line like I I yeah. have to get I have to be a published cartoonist and that you know that dream like meant something else than what the reality of it actually is like because yeah, yeah. i thought it means something else but yeah i would dash off these letters that are really embarrassing and uh everybody got one <laughs> <laughs> uh, every once in a while they come up you know there's um there's a museum here or in uh, ohio called the billy ireland yeah where cartoonists like donate like all their papers to and stuff mm. and every once in a while the the woman who runs it will tell me like yeah, we got all the letters donated from like this cartoonist, and there was one from you that was just so sad. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't, don't say anything else. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's brilliant. I used to, I used to do something. Was it like hand handwritten letters? Yeah, 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 handwritten on legal pads. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> I used to do something similar, like before. Um, if it's before I met my uh, mother half, like I'd been, um, I'd been in like a really shitty relationship, and I used to, because <laughs> I had to move back home with my mom. I used to uh, write all these people on Tumblr and be like, I feel like you're the only people that know me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wrote the the editor. At- at Fanographics that I work with, his name is Eric Reynolds, yeah. and like I, when I was in my twenties, I would write him the worst, like the most drunkenly embarrassing letters, like I'm never gonna find love in my life, and I, all I wanted is just to be a husband someday, and I, oh god damn, so embarrassing. But he would always, he's such a nice guy, he would respond to me like, oh, really? like you know, you have the passion to make a, somebody very happy someday, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, you know, it's just the the passion of a a struggle. You know, that's the whole thing. Like, I put all the that attitude into that character, Fonte Bukowski. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna give him like the worst attributes of who I was when I was like a struggling cartoonist. (laughs) And people think it's funny, but like that's like what I actually was kind of like. Yeah, it's it's funny. I read um. I read it recently, and the, I, I I had never read the last volume, um, and I was reading through it, and it's that the bit that you've got him going from, like this emo kid, to oh, yeah. going in with a big beard and everything. I was like, holy shit, this guy has seen my life. Fuck. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> Were you an emo kid? Oh yeah, big time. Not like I didn't have, um, I didn't wear like makeup or I, I had yeah. like I would do like nail polish I do like black nail polish and I had like loads of jelly bands um, yeah. that I would wear and I never had like the totally um, like the hairsprayed fringe like I never I never sat with straighteners or anything but I just my hair naturally grows that way anyway <laughs> it, actually, it actually does if I leave my hair if I was to skin it back and then leave it it actually grows one bit grows longer down so it ends yeah. up like a big massive emo fringe <laughs> um but yeah it was the whole you know studded belts and oh, yeah. either chucks or um va- like checkered vans or whatever and uh oh, crazy styles oh. it, it was it's funny when you 
when you live in that era, you're just like, yeah, this looks cool. Like everybody's really comfortable. <laughs> when you look back on it, you're just like, what the fuck? Like the, the early 2000s had the worst style. Oh, it was terrible. Just horrible. It was terrible, man. Yeah. I, um, my 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 mom always keeps this picture in her living room of me with like shoulder length hair. And I'm so fucking chubby, it is ridiculous. <laughs> and like no beard, so it's just this chubby, spotty, like but really smooth skin, like with a stupid long greasy hair, wearing an <laughs> Atticus hoodie, and a. It's yeah. like, I think I'm wearing like a Blues Brothers necklace or something like that. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. But you thought you were cool, right? You're like. Oh yeah, you know? big time. Yeah, <laughs> makes it worse. My it was done. It was like a professional photography shot for like my grand's birthday or something oh. like that, right? Of me and my mom, and uh, she said, "Oh, I want some extra shots of of you for for like the photo album or whatever." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And see now, look. Oh, see now, looking at the man. Like she got the photographer got me to hold. Like I was on my way to band practice, and she the photographer got me to hold my drumsticks. And I literally look like fucking somebody from Harry Potter. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> my, my other half is constantly saying to me, like, oh, look, it's you and your Severus Snape stage. I'm like, oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking heart, heartbreaking. <laughs> I did, man. I used to... Uh... I had a, a girlfriend when I was uh, in my, I was probably like 23, who bought me like one of those like little newsboy hats, you know, <laughs> like the golfer hats. Yeah. And I wore it all the time, man. I I always had that hat on. And now I'm like fucking so embarrassed about it because like, <laughs> it's like every photo I see of myself from that era, I'm just always wearing this dumb hat, <laughs> old golfing man hat. And then one time I posted a picture of me and John Porcelino on Instagram from that era. And I had that hat on, and I remember Simon Hanselman was like, "Oh, can I can I buy some newspapers off of you?" Mm-hmm. I, I like immediately, like, and like a million people liked his comment. Like more people liked his comment than liked the photo. So I was like immediately deleted the photo. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> oh fucking hell! Oh, it's so bad. The uh, the transition out of that clothes as well is almost worse as yeah. well like it, I, I don't know what I think like everybody that I knew that went through like that crazy stupid emo phase immediately went to like I don't know like really overgrown suit jackets oh. um, which was just daft and, and like pink t-shirts it was always like pink t- t-shirts and polo yeah. shirts yeah 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 it was just odd it was just such a strange transition out like oh yeah I'll go from Billy Joe Armstrong to somebody in fucking Backstreet Boys like it was just odd (laughs) Billy Joe Armstrong yeah (laughs) that's what it was everybody went about with those stupid like red ties and everything yeah I was just about to say that the black with a red tie yeah it was that it was that time man it was all like the used and Billy Joe Armstrong and My Chemical Romance's fucking Gerard Way going about in those jackets and stuff like oh yeah he's like a comics writer now I know and he's like he just looks like a dad. <laughs> yeah, does he? I, I gotta look him up. I now I'm curious to see what he looks like. He he looks a lot different than he used to. Uh, I I think so. I, he did um he did the interview with the kayfabe guys, um, 
Yeah, and like as soon as the camera goes on him, I was like, "Fucking hell!" Like that is not the same dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah! Oh my god! I'm looking at pictures of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's a dad now. Yeah, that's hilarious. I just can't see him like rocking out on stage, giving it the black parade like at all. (laughs) Oh my god. Like when he's ah. give, that line now of him giving it like when I was a young boy I'm like yeah fucking that was miles away. <laughs> oh man, I hate that song by the way. Yeah, I, I really hate that. It's I, so embarrassing. Yeah. I, Will uh, you be a savior <laughs> or whatever? It's like for the broken. Like fuck you, get out of here, man. <laughs> I fuck it. That I, sucks. I loved them so much, but I was in that right age where when that album came out, it was like straight away without even hearing a note of it. I was like, oh, they're fucking done. Like, they sold, get, they sold I'll it. I'll bet you got like uh, little goosebumps when you heard that song for the first time, right? Uh, not that one. No, no. I totally <laughs> I totally killed it, man. Like, when I heard that, I was like, no way. It's not happening. Oh, it's, no. What about I, like uh, Angels and Airwaves? Remember that band? Oh, fucking Tom DeLonge, man. I was obs- I was obsessed with him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I was upset. I didn't like Angels and Airways because that was the end of Blink One Eight Two. Yeah, that's right. Like I remember actually being like, "No, fuck them." I've had enough yeah. of them. He went. He went nuts. That guy, didn't he? He's just like massively into conspiracy theories and aliens and stuff, like big time. That's... Yeah, I uh, yeah. I used to have a. <laughs> I used to have a whole wall in my room covered top to bottom with Blink-182 posters. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Especially one of them standing in swim underwear. Yep. Oh, man. I remember, that reminds me of a, you know that poster of, of Prince where he's like wearing underwear? He's just wearing like a little Speedo bottoms and he has his arms up over his head. Did yeah. you see that? I remember this woman I worked with said that she had that poster in her bedroom and she would kiss his his crotch every night before she went to bed oh fucking hell and uh her mom wanted to know why the on the poster like that part was all worn out <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh christ my brother my little brother jonah like he had to move back in with my mom and uh he was just like drinking in the in the guest room all the time upstairs <laughs> and like and he's just kind of a slob so like he would just pee out the window <laughs> Like the top, the top floor, and my mom was like, "Jonah, why is the snow yellow below your window?" <laughs> oh, oh, Christ, man! He's just getting drunk and then just pissing out the window. All the neighbors can probably see him. Just, Look at this jackass! <laughs> did you uh, did you write that in one of your comics? Uh, I think I did, and uh, well, actually, I don't know if I did. I might have. <laughs> I just like I was sitting going. I feel like I've heard this story before, but My, I might have. I did do a story once about Jonah, about me like going back to Denver and visiting him. Oh, really? him. So it's possible that's a detail, but that's a that's a story that I was like just reminded of, and I told my wife that like a couple nights ago, and she was really repulsed. <laughs> I remember. Um... <laughs> I remember when I was younger, I had like an innate fear of going up and down the stairs in my house because they they don't have it now, but they they used to have just spaces in the stairs, oh. and it was that whole thing of like running up the stairs and it just being like pitch black in the middle. And I got oh, like yeah. a I got a crazy imagination, man. It's ridiculous. So stuff like that just used to freak me out, and I I remember like I I used to just sit like all night need like 
absolutely desperate to go for a piss. I wish I'd had the foresight to piss out the fucking window. <laughs> I used to just sit there and be like, I can't go. I just can't do it. <laughs> was there? Do you think like a hand was going to come? Yeah. There's yeah. a grab you. Like exactly that, man. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, our oh, basement it's... stairs were like that in the house I grew up in. Was, yeah, I know what you mean. It was pretty scary. Did you have? Did you have like <coughs> innate? Fear, did you have innate fears like that as you were growing up? Uh, well, I didn't like the basement. Um, no, I don't know if I let's. Yeah, I'd have to think about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know because I grew up in such a uh, big family that, like, I guess I I never really had. I was more mostly afraid of my siblings. Oh yeah, that's true. Than, like, you know, being alone with anything in the house, like you were never alone. Yeah, that's true. Right enough. I, I never. Yeah. I always forget the fact that people with people with siblings probably didn't have as many sort of like fears of the dark or any shit like that because they were yeah, just true. constantly like. I hope I don't get beat up in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, well, there, you know, I remember I used to sleep on the floor in my bedroom, and like my siblings told me one night, uh, well, like one morning, that when I was asleep, there were cockroaches crawling all over my face, <laughs> and they were just like watching as these like roaches were crawling all over me, and that that stuck with me. That really freaked me out. Really? Yeah, and they used to also put M and M's in my underwear, so when I woke up, I thought that shat myself. It was just... <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> Do that all the time too. That's so mean, but fuck, that's, that's genius. Like, it's, it's so horrible, but it's one of those ones that you've got to be like, yeah, okay, respect. Like, <laughs> I get that. Oh man, what's it like? What's it like growing up in such a big family? Like, oh man, I mean, I, like, it's great. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think about this a lot now. Um, I think like. Because it, cause it broke up when I was so young, mm. like when my, my parents got divorced and my family, I'm the second to youngest, so like a lot of them were kind of old, were older and kind of moved out by the yeah. time I was really coming of age. It kind of broke up, and then I think that it gave me like a complex for the rest of my life where I'm always like looking for like a family to fit into or to belong to or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's been sort of like the theme of my life has been like, I catch myself doing that all the time. Like even like looking for like father figures, I always do that. Yeah. I, I turn editors into father figures and stuff. Like even like the story I just told you about writing to an editor and telling him my troubles with women. <laughs> like that's not something you do to in a professional relationship. Yeah. But I just didn't have like that, that kind of father to, to talk to. So any older male, like that's immediately what I would do is like unload all the stuff that I needed to, to, uh, get like a, a stronger male's opinion on, you know, Yeah. yeah. Uh, to them. And then like, yeah. And then, and I always look for like a tribe of like cartoonists. Like I always thought it'd be cool if I had like a little gang of like-minded cartoonists that I could hang out with all the time. Hmm. Uh, and I, you know, even like now, like, I, you know, uh, like with my wife, I, I was thinking about this too. Like she had, she comes from like a really good close family. Right. And I wonder if that was, an aspect that attracted me to her. And I think it was like subconsciously the fact that she has such a good family and a good dad and stuff. I, I wonder like, was that one of the reasons where I, like I subconsciously was like, okay, I, I need to marry this person so that I can be a part of this family. Hmm. I, I think it, it must've been a factor. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Like, I, 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 I feel you on the looking for father figures thing. So that's interesting that you say that. You've got me thinking now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's something I have to work on because you can't really, like, 
like unload that responsibility on some random guy or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had so many, man. I've like collected father figures my whole life. John Porcelino was one of them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like somebody guide me, please. <laughs> I have a um, copy of James Joyce's Ulysses next to me because. Uh, I'm looking for a title of uh, my next graphic novel. I, I have the story written, but I don't have a, a title for it. And somebody said that Ulysses is this book that like you can just open and put your finger on any random page, and wherever your finger lands will make like a really good title for a book. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and... <laughs> this book and just like randomly put my finger on different pages and then write down the sentences that I land on and then... Where I think that was maybe it was Burroughs. It was some other writer said that you, that's what they did. Right. Okay. I feel um, I feel like yeah. now that any title that you come away from that now, I'm going to be turning to somebody and be like, you know how he got that title? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could literally be something to do with fucking skateboarding, and I would be like, yeah, you know how he got that title, man. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a skateboarding graphic novel called Shredfest. <laughs> And like Ulysses <laughs> is a massive inspiration for that title. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you skate? Um I fell a lot. Um oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I did uh, I wasn't I wasn't ever somebody that could do like tricks or anything, but I really fucking loved riding around on my skateboard. Yeah. Like used to absolutely love it, man. Like big time. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I remember the day I gave away my skateboard it was at, at like a a car boot sale, so like a like like almost like a garage sale. Um, and this kid came up and pointed to it, and I actually gave it to him for less money than I was asking because I was just like, oh yeah, just take it, like have fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did that too. I I just gave my skateboard away to these little Hispanic kids that were uh, my neighbors when I left Denver. Oh, there was right, out nice. parking lines like, you guys can have this skateboard. And it was the last skateboard that I had. I, I quit skating when I was 18. Right, okay. Uh, I just had my skateboard. But but I've recently bought a new one. Did you? Yeah, and I just go, I'll just roll around in the street in front of my house. And um, and it's, yeah, it's just fun to be on one. Like, it, you know, yeah. I, it's a really good way to get energy out, especially just, if you sit at your desk all day. I used to, I used to absolutely love it, man. Like, a lot of where I stay is, like, basically where I stay is like built on a hill like a lot of Dundee is built on a hill Uh, uh, so there's always just massive hills down to the main roads and and, and stuff like that so I would just like sit on the skateboard (laughs) and ride around or get a sort of an easier one and just float on down the middle of the road and stuff like it's just so good I I really do miss it but let me ask an American question okay Uh, have you ever worn a kilt (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, I don't own one, but I have worn a kilt. Um, I've tried. It. When did I? Oh, I wore it. We used to have these. Um, we used to have these New Year's parties at, at my, my mom's house. Um, like she would go out for New Year's with her friends, and I would just get a bunch of friends around here. Like she knew about it. It wasn't like a oh everybody come mind my mom's out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like we would have everybody around here, and then obviously she would join us later on. And one year, I just asked everybody to dress up because it was going to be the last New Year's party we were going to have in the house. Like a lot of people were moving away, or um, like they were just like they were going off to 
not like colleges or anything, but there were just a lot of them were working and stuff and just couldn't make it to a lot of the parties and stuff. So it was like we're gonna have one last big New Year's party, and mm-hmm. I and I got a kilt for that. And uh, hot damn, man! I I wish I could pull one off all the time. It was so <laughs> good. It was so yeah? good. Wow. Yeah, it's just so easy. Just putting this skirt on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't do true Scotsman. I didn't, you know, lose the underwear. But uh, but it was. Is that true Scotsman? That's yeah, true, true. True Scotsman is to go about with with nothing on underneath, just uh, <laughs> just the kilt. Well, but then my, what do you do if you walk over like an air vent? Then you're like Marilyn Monroe, just pushing it down. Oh, we don't have air vents. Not at oh, all. Okay. <laughs> it's just not a thing. People like every time I see that in something, I'm just like, do they really exist? Like. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, my friend is actually getting married next year. It was meant to be this year, but he's getting married next year and he's having like a full bells and whistles and I'm meant to be one of his ushers and I've got to go for a kilt fitting to get like the tartan that they want and stuff like that. Uh, so I guess I'll have another one on again next year. Oh, I didn't know you had to do a like a kilt fitting. you wear socks with him? Yeah, yeah, like big massive sort of knee-high um so I, well, I call them I call them welly boot socks, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, big big massive socks. I uh, from the from that time that I had a New Year's party, actually those those socks because you get to the one thing from the from the rental is you get to keep the socks, so you sort of pay for the socks and that's your deposit. Oh. That's your deposit, and then you pay for the the kilt once you bring it back. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually I had those socks to like every sort of camping thing that we would go on I'd go in shorts and those big fuck off socks (laughs) they were so warm they were so warm and uh, (laughs) I spent like a music festival wearing them getting absolutely soaked to the skin everybody else going about in these big like all going about in big massive baggy jeans and everything I was rocking about in these Hawaiian shorts and this these fucking socks and a pair of Welling, Wellington boots nice. <laughs> feeling like a boss <laughs> hey, you're, uh, see this podcast is named after um, you know the smell of like a comic like when you are reading a comic and the old it's the old newsprint yeah yeah man isn't that interesting that whole like that's funny because uh I think about that all the time when I'm like reading an old comic in bed. Yep. And Big you time. can just like huff that thing, put it up to your nose, and <laughs> yeah. it, it it kind of like you go back in time. Oh, like that. massively, man! Like there are so many sections on past episodes where you can hear one of us just huffing in the pages, because um, we normally like the normal sort of thing for us to do is to like we actually get together physically in, in person. And just sit down with a bunch of snacks and chat about whatever chosen topic one of us has come up with. Um, and the amount of times, like some of us, will just bring the old collection along and just yeah. sit with like old DC, Marvel, and oh, just sit with them, huffing away on them like this. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And I've got and like what era? What era are the DC and Marvel comics from? But like. Um, Actually, it's not even specific, man. Like it's everywhere. Like we're, I th- we're so. I think we're such a an eclectic group. I think our tastes are so diverse that it just covers this uh, scale of comics on a whole. 
So like, I don't know. Like we've all got our own specific sort of niche, but we've just got these sort of mass collections. I mean, one of the yeah. guys, one of the guys on the on the podcast in particular has like a massive fuck off library. Like it's insane. Like his room is just covered like wall to wall with these shelves filled with comics. Yeah, like it's just unbelievable. And see when he brings stuff along, I'm like, give me it. Like I need to smell that. <laughs> oh man! One time I remember uh, when I lived in Ohio, I I just by chance moved into an apartment building with this that this other guy lived in that was an artist who was like really good friends with Ed Pisker, oh, who yeah. um, who only lived in Pittsburgh, which is just like a few hour drive away from Ohio. Hmm. So uh, and one time uh, me and this guy, his name was Brian, we we took a road trip to uh, Pittsburgh together to go visit Ed. And I'd never been to Ed's house before, and uh, that was insane, man. Because he he has he owns this house that is not decorated like a normal house. Every room has like these metal shelves just full of long boxes. Fuck. He has everything, like all the giant artist editions, everything. It's crazy. And then he's like in like the what would be the living room. He has his drawing desk set up like against the um, fireplace. Christ. And his kitchen, instead of having a kitchen table, he has a, a drafting table that's just laid flat. <laughs> it was like a big cardboard box full of those like 90s um, X-Men toys. Fucking hell. And, uh, and all we did, we just spent the day there just going through his comics and he was like pulling out crazy stuff to show us Jeez. that we'd never seen before. It was amazing, man. So that show, but, so that show really is like an extension of what ed is like really ed yeah ed and jim and tom tom scioli like those guys know everything about comics and if yeah. you don't then it's like they kind of see you as like being a weak link. like i don't know everything i'm not like that i'm not like a big mainstream comics nerd yeah yeah so like i you know i never there's a, a limit to how close i could get with those guys like i because i can i can really not talk about the like they were pulling out like this is Stephen Platt. Like, look at this thing he did. I'm like, who's Stephen Platt? And they're like, what? You know, it's like that kind oh. of thing, you know? So I didn't, I, you know, I, I was like a little insecure being there, but I'm still like fascinated by the the dedication. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, man. <laughs> to, to just like, I'm going to have a house that's like nothing but... Wall-to-wall <laughs> comics, yeah. yeah it, it's, dude, it's crazy. Like, I'm not even like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, the entire place is just metal. Like, those metal shelves you see in the back of a restaurant. Jeez. But like it's just like with long boxes of comics. It's dedication, man. It's, it's yeah, total it's dedication. I just lifelong, couldn't. Yeah, lifelong dedication. Yeah, I just, I, I just couldn't imagine. Like the thing that always ticks off. It's fucking morbid, but the thing that always ticks off in the back of my head is like somebody's gonna have to get rid of this shit when I die. Uh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh. yeah. I don't. That's, have... what, that's what Chris Ware said one time. He's like, every time I buy something like an old antique toy or something. He's like, I just imagine there's going to be a day where my daughter is throwing this into a dumpster. because <laughs> She has to clear out the house. <laughs> See, I, I have been, I've been like whittling my stuff down like bit by bit. Like we, we stuck by a thing on, on the podcast recently where we were sort of like, you know, it's coming to that time where we have to say like excellence or fuck off. Like it just has yeah. to meet an excellence pile that you keep until the day you die, or it just get it gone. Like if you feel like you're not gonna read it again, and I've got yeah. rid of some like big stuff that I was like <laughs> almost shaking as I'm putting it out. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna read it. Like it's not gonna happen. Um, yeah. 
I've but, done the same thing, man, because I have a I have a kid. I have to clear out space. Yeah. And yeah, I've been doing the same thing and it's like and it's really hard. You you put the stuff in a box that you're like, All right, I'm this this doesn't help me make comics. Like I, yeah. I don't get like amped to draw comics by this work. I've read it once, I I know I won't really go back to it. And you put it into a box, but then like a little part of you goes, Yeah, but like what <laughs> But maybe, you know, like your brain starts trying to find value in it yep. for you. Big time. As, yeah, you psych yourself out. Bringing it, back to, bringing it back to something from earlier, uh, the sweeter side of Crumb almost ended up out. Yeah. Really so close. I was reading through it and I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to read this again. Like, I really don't know. And somebody else could be getting total pleasure out of this. And it sat in the box out in the garage for ages and then I was selling other bits bit by bit and it just sort of came down to that last kind of couple and I went I, you know nobody's buying it it's fine yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. brought it back in and honestly I've, I have actually read through it like another two or three times and it's like nah fuck it I'm keeping it like this is it um, yeah. but yeah man I have all the complete crumb books oh, nice. like I, he's like one of those artists that like I've bought the same comics yeah. multiple times because they just keep repackaging them <laughs> i'm like yeah all right i'll buy that <laughs> yeah i get that i'm kind of i'm kind of like i think i'm kind of that way with i think probably that way with derf actually in that like if another thing comes out and it's going to be like an extended it's like oh well, i'll just get that you know it's fine yeah <laughs> even yeah. he's not got like a he's not got like a, a massive like back catalogue of books that are readily available especially in the fucking uk um but like what he does have it's like uh, you know i'll just i'll get that it's fine oh is that one with the the movie cover on it i might just uh, get that you know <laughs> yeah Derp's funny because i you know i um i would always see his work it was printed in the newspaper in my town yeah it's his comic the city so you know when i was like a teenager and stuff like i would always read his comic strip in there and then it just became like a weird life thing where like actually i got to know him yeah and for a while, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> that dude. And when I got a job at the newspaper in my town, my because they wanted to take on my strip, they stopped running his strip. So, like, mm. I I effectively, <laughs> I, like, I basically hurt his career in the <laughs> with my comic. I remember when my comic started being published and they got rid of his, like, all these angry letters were coming in. Oh, and yeah, it was, yeah, 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 it was real drama. Fuck. But you know he's like one of those guys that's like it's 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 cool. You're just like holy shit! Like how did this happen? That yeah, I I, I get to know this person. You know, it was just like somebody I was aware of. Yeah, he's um, I don't know if it's just like if it's just the way he is or what, but I don't know. I I, I think it doesn't help these art styles. Like fucking incredible, man. Like I, I sit looking at those lines over and over again. Like I've got a. The guys at the start of lockdown actually bought me a, a Joey Roan of his, like an original. Oh, yeah. Cool. And uh, my other half put it up in this frame, and I just find myself like staring at it some days and being like, fuck, man, I can't believe that's there. <laughs> yeah. So, what, is that what you value uh, most? Is like the drawing style in a comic? Um, That's what will pull me in first. Mm -hmm. Definitely, it's what will pull me in first. I mean, I love. I can't read something really. I, I I don't think without like a good story or something that's really funny. Like if it's got to have. 
it's got to have something behind it, some sort of extra bit of soul behind it. But if it's got a really interesting style and pulled in like straight away, yeah, um, like uh, recently Leslie Stein's stuff, holy oh. shit, like her watercolor stuff just totally hooked me. Yeah, like, it was unbelievable. And I just I've now just been literally like any time I've seen any of her stuff, it's like right, I'm buying that, right, I'm buying that. Yeah, uh, she's really, she's one of my favorites too. Like. She does. She's not very well respected, I guess, in the states, or, or um, I don't know. It's it's weird because she's, you know, she's like in the New Yorker magazine and stuff like that. Mm. But like, I, I still feel like she doesn't get her due. Yeah. And it's because she doesn't go after it. Like she, like, just kind of goes, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like if somebody wants me to do something, I'll I'll do it. But like she doesn't seek out any kind of attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's hard for me to watch that because I'm like, well damn it like <laughs> work out there like you, you know she's just like not interested in that she she's, just wants to work yeah she uh i mean she's still working at the bar and stuff as well isn't she yeah that's right mm-hmm. yeah I, I, like i totally i i really fucking admire that in uh, a cartoonist that's just like no i just want to put my stuff out and just work a job man like just yep. go for it um yeah like my friend that's on the on the pod with me, David, like he just constantly puts out comics and just works all the time. And I think he literally just eats, sleeps and breathes comic books, man. Like reads them and constantly making stuff. Like I, I'll always get a message off him being like, here man, I'm working on this next thing. Take a look. And I'm just like, fuck, like you just finished something. <laughs> like, that's li- awesome. Yeah. I mean, he literally, he did a... He did something recently on um, the Tay Bridge. So there's like a, a rail bridge and a road bridge in Dundee uh, called the Tay Bridge. Um, but the rail bridge had like a good bit of history about it where it collapsed. Um, oh. This was like, oh, I think, wait a minute. I'll probably say it at the start of the book because um, I've got it sitting beside me. I think it was like 1800s or something like that. Oh okay. Um, and it collapsed, and he was sort of serializing these things online, um, and he just like put this thing together, shoved it up on Kickstarter, like went it went well and above what he was doing, like his first ever Kickstarter, um, put this thing out. But at the same time that he was putting this thing out and doing it in the Kickstarter, he's like, "Oh, I'm working on my next two books." I'm like, "What? Like good." <laughs> Good for him, man. Yeah. He's got the right idea. Yeah, yeah. He just he, like he's such a fucking inspiration, man. He just constantly goes for it as well, like totally. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking right now. At, I think there's seven or eight books I'm looking at right now on the shelf, and that's not even. I don't even think that's like the half of what he's got. You know what I mean? Um, wow. He just constantly goes for it. That's Is there a publisher there in Scotland, like a comics publisher? Uh, there's a couple. Um, there's uh, there's Blackheart Press uh, that's in Glasgow. I mean, there's obviously like DC Thompsons, but they're not really bothered about comic books at all. They're just happy doing the Beano forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people here just tend to do self-publishing. To be honest, I, I, I mean, we've got two two sort of solid printers that a lot of people use all the time. Um, and I think a lot of people just go to them, you know, save up for like a couple of months, make a book, yeah. and then just buy sort of a hundred copies of the book, and then just 
work on to the next one and start saving for the next run. You know what I mean? And do you, do you count on because England has a really good comic scene, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's pretty. <clears throat> we're pretty similar, <clears throat> to be fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are pretty similar, um, especially for like the small press scene and stuff. Um, yeah. The we're all sort of pretty constant that we use the same sort of printers and stuff and we all frequent the same sort of cons and stuff like that as well do you go to uh is it called lakes festival or something like that uh yeah well i've i've never actually it's funny i've never been to the lakes festival but that's where i do my review for is the lakes festival podcast oh okay um but yeah the lakes is uh the lakes is pretty good um well i've like from what I hear from everybody, it's it's pretty pretty decent. It's like the whole town of Kendall kind of changes for the time that the the festival's on, you know. So it's like an Angoulême kind of thing. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, in a way. Um, I th- I think probably not as. I don't know. I don't know how it, what way to say it. I, I, I don't know what way to say it without sounding insulting. Um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> oh. Probably not as highbrow. I'll yeah. just say that, but you know what I mean. It's but they'll do like art walks, and there's constant talks for like the full week to couple of weeks that like leading up to the 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 con and everything. And then, yeah. uh, I think the con's on for like a weekend or something. It's on for like two days or something. Hmm. Um, but it's kind of yeah. like that with it's kind of like that with Thought Bubble as well. Oh, that's right, Thought Bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like there's a good. Thing, you know, No Brow is English, I think, and um, mm-hmm. I just got a bunch of books from Breakdown Press. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they seem like they're pretty great, like they're thriving. Yeah. My wife is English, and oh, yeah. um, so we're always planning on going over there and visiting her family and stuff. But uh, now I don't know when they'll happen. <laughs> yeah. But always, she would go to the conventions there and stuff, you know. Oh. Um, so I'm always like, I gotta go. I want to. Like check in on that scene and see what's going on. Yeah. Like... Uh, dude, I've just noticed that we're like an hour and a half in. I've just been chatting, and I I, I don't even think I covered like any of the questions. We've just been well, you, if you have me. questions, man, I'm 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 just hanging out. Do you so... know what? Um, I mean, if you're up for it, I'd be up for just chatting again at some point if that's good, man. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's fine. Cheers for that, Noah. Thanks for coming on. That's really good of you, man. Thanks for having me. Cheers. send us any comments or questions or just to say hello you can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter and instagram at thatcomicsmell share the podcast with your friends and followers we are on soundcloud spotify itunes youtube and most other places you find podcasts and don't forget to rate review and subscribe thanks for listening our music is by Chart Smasher, and this track is Dial Up. You can find Chart Smasher on Twitter at Joan Edam, and you can buy the tracks on Bandcamp.
that Comics Mail comic issue number one is now available to buy. Join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadaka and Tom Stewart with guest artist John Tucker as they create their first anthology together. Buy your copy today at fredeggcomics.bigcartel.com Go to fredeggcomics.bigcartel.com today to buy your copy.